Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners. And Stephen Pritchard, let's hope there's no teardrops here. Uh, what's happening with commodities at the well, moment? There's a couple of little teardrops. Um, the, the price of gold was down $10.45 an ounce over the week to $1,722.94 a an ounce. Uh, the price of copper was up $228.10 a tonne to $8,910 a tonne. And the crude oil price was up um, $3.72 a barrel to $92.48. So, oh, so there might be teardrops at the Bowser. Uh, Not um, yet. Yeah, there will be a little. Um, and the um, Australian dollar, the Australian dollar was up. Um, the Australian dollar was up one percent against the US dollar, so it's seventy-seven point seven one cents mm-hmm. um, this week. Uh, we're down point two percent against the Great British pound, so we're fifty-four point seven five pence, and against the euro, we're sixty-two point seven nine euro cents, which is almost the same as last week. Um, and the All Ordinaries Index, so the All Ordinaries Index was up thirty-six point two percent points this week to 5,924, so we're still a bit short of the uh, 6,000. You jinxed that coming back, Jane. <laughs> and the S&P 500, we were down um, 20 points on that for the week to 2,642, and the UK FTSE index was 7,257, which was up uh, 57 points. Um, so there's a bit of uh, teardrops in the, some stocks that local investors tie mm. to. And um, BHP, well, there's no teardrops there. That was up $1.24 on the week to $29.75. Um, CBA, a few teardrops there as more stuff comes out of the Royal Commission. Down another $0.45 cents on the week to $73.35. Uh, NIB was $6.02, which was down $0.28 cents on the week. And Telstra, Telstra was... You know, stay more or less stable. Three dollars and eleven this week. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I don't think it'll be that long before you see it two in front of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you'll be Telstra showing. And the fuel price is um, the fuel price in Newcastle a uh, dollar thirty six point three for unleaded, which was up um, uh, half a percent on the week. Sydney was a dollar thirty four point three, which is up five percent. Uh, the diesel price in Newcastle is a dollar thirty eight point nine, which is up one percent, and Sydney a dollar thirty seven point one, which is also up one percent. Oh, so generally things are reflecting the rise in the crude oil prices. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought they should reflect that quick, but well, always good to catch up with Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Over to you. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you this week? I'm good this week. I'm good. Excellent. Excellent. I've a few days off sick, but I've recovered enough to come in and talk to you. Oh, that's always good. That's good, Henry. So, so speaking of sickness, apparently South Thirty Two, South Thirty Two's mines supposedly been causing all sorts of sickness to people. Oh well, mines can have that um, uh, effect on people, I guess, from time to time. We've had some some famous ones. Um, I guess um, Blue Sky Mine comes to mind. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, it's um, it's not been a good look this week for um, for South Thirty Two um, at all. I have to say, but um, BHP and, and South Thirty Two all de- um, denying any of the claims. But um, yeah, but uh, certainly uh, the uh, the Colombian government are uh, saying that um, it is causing some sickness. 
Yes, and then down at uh, Blue Sky... Um, oh, yeah. then now there's some sickness. Yeah, I was just thinking there's a few sick investors there, or people yeah. being sick. So, so there seems to be some problem with this wild breads investment they've got as well there. I think that's the least of their problems. Did you notice that great segue from, from a dodgy mine to Blue Sky Investments and, and, the, and the whole Midnight Oil scene? With yeah. Blue Sky funny. That was, that was very clever, Stephen. Um, no, Blue Sky, uh, Blue Sky itself is a, is a fund manager that uh, looks after what uh, are kind of alternative investments, unlisted things. And the problem with unlisted things is that they're kind of a bit hard to value. They're a bit like trying to value your house. Um, it's all very well and good, uh, thinking you're rich one day, but the reality is that there's only two points where you get um, a, a definitive valuation of these things. It's usually when you buy something, or your house, or you when you sell something. These are the two um, liquidity events or valuation points. Um, a lot of Blue Sky's alternative investments um, have some issues, I guess, around the valuations, and there's a lack of transparency, and we've spoken about this. There was a U.S. Um, hedge fund that wrote a report on uh, Blue Sky uh, called Glaucus, which um, enabled the stock to go from uh, 11 bucks to, um, to basically 5 bucks. Um, and they say there's a $2.66 valuation. The company has come out and strenuously denied it. Um, directors have been buying shares, but they have got investments in things like Wild Bread, mm-hmm. uh, which is a company which was in the papers um, as uh, under some sort of administrator as um, McGrath-Nickel had been brought in. Um, the company, um, Blue Sky, went to great lengths to, to say that McGrath-Nickel had been brought in as strategic advisors and it wasn't the uh, administration uh, division of that um, august company that was uh, involved with Wildbred. But it goes to the heart of the matter with Blue Sky. So there's very little transparency. The company has done very little to cover itself in glory throughout this whole mess uh, and fess up and, and explain um, their investments. And so it makes it very hard for people to make any judgment calls. And as a result, the company remains under significant pressure. Yes, and I think it will remain under pressure for a further while. Well, I think so. I think so. It's... Um yeah, it, it, it takes a long time to win back the market's trust, and we will have to see some of these uh, liquidity events come through uh, with justifications uh, against the, you know, the, the valuation yeah. will have to be justified in the account. So if they say that something's worth $10 million in the account, and they only get $8 million bucks for uh, for the sale of it in a real sale, then there's going to be a hole in that one, and it also will feed through into credibility around mm. other assets. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they need to get 11 million bucks for a 10 million dollar asset mm-hmm. that would that would help immensely yes i'm just remembering back to blue sky mines so mark time used to be the chairman of that oh really yeah yeah yeah. it used to be that yeah. column that was written in the bulletin yeah yes yeah, I, I think we're showing our age here yeah. It was a good read, though. Uh, and Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, Amatol's looking for growth outside its course soft drinks business. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, Alison Watkins, the CEO of, of Coke, um, announced uh, today, I think it was, that um, they are setting up Amatil X. Yes. And this has a budget of $10 million. Yes. And it's looking to invest in uh, startups, disruptors, whatever you call it. I mean, uh, startups used to just be called starting a business, um, but it's far more glamorous to call them startups. Um, and uh, so it's just, they've got $10 million uh, to splash around the place. 
they're looking um, not at soft drinks uh, innovation, I guess. They're looking more at logistics and uh, marketing and, and, I guess, big data kind of gathering and, and things that are going to help them improve uh, their sales of the soft drinks. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Ten million is, 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 a, yeah, is, a, is a drop in the ocean for a company like Coca-Cola Amatil, but um, and it's probably a sign that it's, it's peak startup. Um, yeah, I was just thinking every man, his dog seems to be starting up these innovation things. Yeah, there's there's an awful lot of innovation and innovation at the moment. There's, um, I went to a tech conference this week, and uh, I have to say that a lot of the stories were the same stories that, that were at the same conference last year, and we're going to have a groundbreaking company-making year, and they're back again this year with a lower share price and uh, you know the trajectory of some of these companies um, that are called startups is very much like the um, the Spitfire in that movie Dunkirk where it um, switches off the engine and gently glides down to the beach where it then gets set on fire by Tom Hardy yes so, yes. so they, they take all the money out on directors lunches and so Afterpay's come out this week and said they yep. have to get tougher on compliance after they discovered they were uh, Mickey Mousing <laughs> uh, $300 a liquor. I still haven't yeah. actually found out how this kind of works, except you get to pay stuff up by instalments. And so they've decided they have to increase their compliance processes and they're going to cap late fees at 25%. Yeah. So I couldn't find out whether they're charging a flat 25% or was it 25% or per annum now, but what were they charging before? Uh, I'm not sure. Most of their money doesn't come from uh, from late fees. I don't think they... It's, it's not really a massive issue for them. What they do is they, is they charge the merchants 4% of the sale cost to sell the thing. Um, and it's a bit like we talked about this before. It's digital lay-by. So you, it's very popular with um, millennial ladies who like fast fashion and that sort of thing. So um, you know that, that's their target market. They have a massive... Um, repeat customer base in that sort of sphere. So, you know, you're, you're buying a $200 dress uh, over, I'm, I'm sure they don't actually cost that much uh, or, or little as that, but uh, you're buying a $200 dress over four installments of 50 bucks and you don't pay any interest on that. The merchant pays 4%. Um, but if you are late on any of your fees, you do get slammed a little bit. Um, so they've, um, they've recently announced, as you say, that they're tightening up on the ID thing. Um, and they're also capping those late fees, uh, which is a good thing. But as they pointed out, it's not going to have a huge effect on them because they don't really um, put too many late fees on people. It's not, it's, that's not their business model. It's very much that 4% sales. So it's been pretty successful. They're trying to take it to the U.S., um, and they're also trying to uh, negotiate a $200 million uh, line of credit with uh, City as well, which would give them, I guess, more firepower to go out and... Um, and market the thing, but it has been very, very successful and very, very popular, I have to say. So that means that anyone who, who offers this, I should go and ask for a 4% discount for cash. Um, yeah, why not? Well, they can, yeah, so if they can give 4% yeah. there, they can give 4% to me. Thanks for that, I, I, There's a lot of people that do, obviously, if you're buying something, will will ask for a, um, a discount for cash. Um, and there certainly are lots of uh, lots of people that try that. I have a friend who used to negotiate with the butcher the over butcher. the price of sausages. No, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking which, that Which much used money. to be quite embarrassing, I have to say, if it came to yeah, a yeah. kilo of sausages 
came to ten bucks, he said, "I'll give you nine for cash." Nah, nah, nah. Well, you couldn't Mate, put sausages on after pay. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> no, he, he was very annoying. <laughs> no, no. I was thinking if you're buying some significant purchase that they offer. Well, I think you know it's the same. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, are probably um, a bit reticent to haggle. Yeah. Um, you know, find it a bit intimidating that you know the old life of Brian that haggling routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, in some cultures, it's it's very much alive and the dominant uh, way of, of buying things is is through the, uh, the haggling right. system. Um, we we have got more um, distant from that and, and and have things like afterpay and zip money and, and various yeah. other things, which uh, yeah, maybe you should haggle. Yeah, well, I know now you've got a base of 4%. You should be able to get off straight away. Um, yeah. So the cave founder of Godfrey, who I understand is 99. Has yeah, long-term investor. Long-term investor has made, a take, has made a takeover off for the company. I, I think this is a, a lovely story, I have to say. Um, this is a gentleman, he's 99 years old. He started Godfrey's donkeys years ago, um, sold it, and now he's uh, attempting to buy it back along with some private equity partners. Um, it has not been a massively successful retail story, Godfrey's. It is, it is daggy as all get out. Um, it just sells um, vacuum cleaners, and despite Dyson making vacuum cleaners sexy, um, Godfrey's has never really been sexy, and it has been that gliding spitfire for some time, um, only to now be rescued, hopefully, by this uh, 99-year-old, I think his name is Mr. Johnson. Yes, um, that's right. And um, good on him. 99 and you're still, mate, you're still a corporate raider. I think, that, I think that's fantastic. There's hope for you and I, Stephen, that when we get to 99, before we get the telegram from uh, Prince Charles the, um, or, or Will, we will um, be able to launch a corporate raid on an on a AFX-listed company. Well, I had a client in the, yesterday, actually, and he's in his 90s, and he, you know, he... he we, we, We've got to send all the annual reports out for him, and he goes through yeah. them and reads them, and he's yeah. yeah, he's right up on top of everything. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's fantastic. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope there's no delays in the takeover process, or, no, no, or Mr. Johnson will not see the uh, the fruits of his labour. Well, anyhow, he could he could <laughs> he could get perhaps some of this organic dried milk powder that Waddle Health's going to produce. Yeah, uh, I'm still. Yeah, I'm still struggling to get my head around some of these dairy stocks, and they've very much jumped on the uh, the whole China bandwagon. Mm. We've had another one today, Bub, um, which does uh, goat milk. Oh, okay. um, um, they've they have uh, announced a, uh, a joint venture with uh, with um, a Chinese company and uh, Waddle Health. Um, yeah, it just when you look at how much revenue some of these guys are making. And Waffle not Health much. is no exception. There is not much for a company that's valued in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, you know, I wish I could get similar valuation for a business that I had. But, that makes know, Marcus today worth a lot of money, Henry. It makes Marcus today worth gazillions. Yes. Um, but not that I have any interest in uh, the equity. But anyway, um, but yeah, Waddle Health, $210 million market cap. And I'm sure there's some options and some other yeah. stuff lurking mm. out there. And, you know, really and truly, we still haven't seen runs on the board. No. Um, and, you know, what we've seen is that it's not easy doing business in China. Um, and it's all very well to do these joint ventures with people and announce you're selling to India and announce this and that and the other, which is all well and good. But at the end of the day, it is still about numbers on the doors. Mm. And you've got to have revenue, and you've also got to have 
what else is important it seems is you've got to have a product which is accepted and trusted in Australia um, and that then has a reputation so um, you yeah. know it's, if, if, you, if you haven't got the, the foot print in Australia, it's very hard to then say, hey, we're clean and green and we're Australian and then when the tourists come here and they look around for their product and they go, well, where is it? Yeah, I mean, um, even Blakemore's been struggling in the, the infant formula and they have got a good brand re- reputation in Australia. Blakemore struggled big time, um, mm. as you rightly point out, and, and as, as you say, they haven't got a big footprint in here and they did really mm. kind of stuff it up, wrote off a lot, uh, a lot of mm. money in there ill-fated um, sojourn into um, into China. So it is not as, it's not just a question of you know milking some cows, drying it, stamping a nice little organic label on it or A2 on it or whatever, and then sending it up to China and, and Bob's your father's brother. That's that's really not going to happen. So um, I'm still a bit sceptical about this one and about the bub as well and, and a couple of well, other. I haven't heard of bub, but. but but, but if you want to hear all these latest comments each day, you can. How can we get that, Henry, from Marcus today? Um, you can uh, you can take out a uh, two week free trial at marcustoday.com.au, and you can read all about it. We've uh, we've been at, uh, pushing some some tech stocks and some resource stocks, and we've also been pushing Woodside on the back of the oil price. So it's it's been uh, it's been a good and interesting time at the moment. Okay, thanks, Henry. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Stephen. Cheers. Now, when we're joined by Richard Murphy, who's CEO and co-founder of Australian Corporate Bond Company. So, Stephen Pritchard, over to you. Hi, Richard. Hi, Stephen. Good to have you back again. Um, Before we start, I actually had a question this morning um, from someone on the radio station. What's a corporate bond? So I thought we might start back at the beginning. Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, A corporate bond... You know, everybody knows that a corporate share is you invest in the company. A corporate bond is loaning money to the company. So instead of borrowing from the bank, which they do as well, they can also go and say, hey, institutional investors, I want to borrow $500 million, and I will issue $500 million worth of a corporate bond, and I'll pay you all 4% um, coupon every six months uh, for the next five years, and it's a five-year bond. So it's really just a loan um, to the to the company that you can – sell, you can buy and sell bonds, so a bond is really a security version um, of, a, of a loan, that's all it is. Yeah, so it's just a loan to a company, and and, yeah. and, and what um, Australian Corporate Bond Company does is these loans to companies are usually in large denominations, so what, what Australian Corporate Bond Company does is uh, it basically breaks these uh, large denominations down and enables people to, to buy and sell them on the Australian Stock Exchange in simple terms. Yeah, exactly. So they're usually in five hundred thousand dollar lots. Now you can buy them on the air six and hundred dollar lots. Yeah, makes it makes it accessible for most people. Then. Yeah, that's right. And so, just on general stuff now, um, uh, interest rates. The interest rates have started to increase in the US. Do you have any view on what they're going to do here in Australia? Um, I think the consensus view here in Australia, across everybody, you kind of read the tea leaves and there's trading on the ASX, which gives you a good general sense as well. But it's not going to happen um, here until, let's say, the, the, the futures market is saying August, September next year. Yep. So a good, a good you know, year and three or four months away from now. And the, the, the RBA was out there yesterday, the reserve governor, or the, the deputy governor, saying it ain't happening anytime soon. And it's not going to happen because they're not seeing wages growth um, or um, economic growth that's worrying them and inflation that's worrying them. So they're not going to move and risk damaging the property market where, you know, if you raise them too quickly, property could crash and um, the 
there'd be a lot of people um, pretty pretty angry at that. So they don't need to move it because wages growth and inflation is moving. Whereas in the U.S., wages growth is faster now than it has been since any time before the GSC. And they do have inflation coming back on. Inflation was kind of dead for years. We haven't really talked about inflation as a worry, worrisome thing for many years now, 10 years basically. But in America, it's starting to come back. In the UK, they're starting to say, yeah, we can see inflation is going to come back on the agenda some, sometime soon. And of course, the central banks of the world, like the Reserve Bank, they need to keep their, their foot on inflation. It's very low here. It's very benign. We actually want a bit more inflation. We want wages to grow. We want more economic growth. But as soon as it starts to kind of take off a bit, the, the Reserve Bank would step in very quickly and say, right, that's enough of that, and start raising rates. Yeah, I mean, the Reserve Bank said a, said, said a number of times that um, wages need to uh, increase, which is interesting when you, you've got the Reserve Bank saying wages need to increase, then you've got the, uh, the Productivity Commission, I think, cutting back on the wages, or the Fair Work Commission cutting back wages on the lowest paid people. Yeah, so. it, is, it, is, it is a bit funny, but, and even, even the Reserve Bank governor saying, um, ask your boss your boss for a salary increase, yeah. um, telling workers to do that. I had a look in the mirror and asked myself, given I'm the CEO, and yes. then I said no. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> and I didn't get one. <laughs> you, you didn't. You didn't get one. So, 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 given given um, given that, um, so so, should people be looking at investing in um, fixed rate bonds or floating rate bonds? There, I think you can be invested in both because if if you went into a ten year fixed rate bond or a twenty year fixed rate bond, and interest rates do move, um, then they're a lot more volatile. The price moves up and down. The longer they are, the more the price moves. But if you if you had a look at, say, say one-year, two-year, three-year corporate bonds, you can get them on the ASX now, and, and said, right, I'm going to hold that to maturity. It doesn't matter if interest rates shot up um, or shot down. You, if you hold to maturity and you had, say, a 3.5% yield on a general property trust bond, um, you hold to maturity, the $100 you get back doesn't move up and down with interest rates. It's $100 of, of principal that you just get paid back. And the coupons aren't, don't change either. So nothing changes if you hold to maturity. It only matters if you try and sell it yeah, after right. interest rates have gone up. So you can still buy um, fixed-rate bonds. I would just say keep it short-dated if you're going to do that. And, of course, the other option is floating-rate bonds where the coupon moves up and down with with with, uh, with the with interest rates moving. And, and I would say right now people are buying both. Yes. Well, I would observe. Yeah. Okay, we might just have a quick break and come back in a minute. Sure. Thanks, Sam. Stephen Pritchard, we're talking about bonds, the bond market with Richard Murphy uh, from the Australian Corporate Bond Company. So so one of the, one of the um, uh, fixed interest products that listeners would be more um, familiar with is the term deposit. And um, so people often have their fixed interest um, you know, in term deposits. So what, what's the kind of difference in interest rates between the term deposits and a corporate bond? Yeah, it was, it was actually not a huge difference, say, um, December, January this year. And it's, it's widened out again where the corporate bonds um, are now got greater yields. So you could get a portfolio of five different XDBs, which would be 34 3.5%. And then you have a look at most of the money in term deposits is in three-month term deposits, and the next is one year. And there's basically that's 95% of all the money. And you're kind of getting, if you look at the major banks where most of the money is, it's sort of 2.2, 2.3, maybe 2.4. So you can get a, you can get a kind of a, an 80 basis, a, a 0.8% or 1% uplift 
which if that's where your income's coming from, that's about a 30% increase in your in your income. So, or, or maybe more, maybe even a 40% increase in your income. So it is worth having a look at, do I just leave it and turn deposits? Or now that they're on the ASX, I can get access to these corporate bonds. And really the trade-off there is, well, there's no government guarantee on a, on a corporate bond, whereas there's a government guarantee on a turn deposit. And the other trade-off is, well, my money's safer sitting in National Australia Bank than lending it to Qantas and and uh, and uh, Telstra and Woolworths. But, you know, that's, that is a trade-off. You think, well, I don't think those companies are going to fail. Therefore, I'm willing to, to take that additional risk of those companies failing versus National Australia Bank failing um, for the extra 1% um, return I'll get, which is a 30% increase in my actual income. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I find people miss. They look at it and say, oh, it's only half a percent more. Um, but they don't look at that half a percent is... Twenty-five percent yeah. more income than they're going to get. Particularly, you know, particularly if you're speaking about if you're speaking about you know significant amounts of money here. I mean, on on, on you know a couple of hundred thousand. That's that's uh, you know, that's an extra one to two thousand a year. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of retirees who are kind of relying on that income, and they when they look at it that way, they suddenly realise, gosh, that's like an increase in my pay. That's right. Yeah. And um, trade wars and tariffs and things that's uh, erupting around us, are they, are they going to have any effect on the, the bond market here in Australia, you think? Where, where they have an effect, if that does happen, let's say, you, know, you, you could talk for hours on whether it's going to happen or not. Yeah, yeah, well, well, but if it does that. happen, assuming it does happen, um, it, it, it affects inflation. And for the inflation, it affects longer-term interest rates, so not necessarily the cash rate, but the 10-year lending rate, which is very, very important because um, all of the share markets, the entire share market is relying on these very, very low rates at the moment, those very high share prices. And if, if those trade wars happen and inflation comes in, as well as wage growth driving it, suddenly there will be a correction in the share market. The market, share market. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's uh, all we've got time for. This, this. See you in a couple of months, Richard. Excellent. Thanks very much, Stephen. Oh, and before day. you go, um, yes, no problem. You've got a website that listeners can get more information on. Um, yes, yeah. indeed. It's uh, the, 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 these bonds on ASX are called XTBs, um, and the website is www.xtbs.com.au. And last time I had a look at that, there was sample portfolios and. Yeah, people, because you see fifty there, and you think, "Oh gosh, how do yeah. I pick those?" So we have a, a CIO, chief investment officer, who picks them for you and says, "Look, here's here's top brands, here's the higher yielding ones, things like that." You can you can go on there and have a look. Okay, thanks, Richard. Excellent, thanks, Stephen. Bye. And Richard Murphy is CEO and co-founder of the Australian Corporate Bond Company, Proprietary Limited, which is always very important, I think, Stephen, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> to put all those things in. Yep. Uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, bonds, how big a part of the general market is the bond market? Oh, the bond market's far bigger than the, the equity market. Okay. Um, I, I don't know what the numbers would be. but it's, it's So looking at the amount of capitalisation, you know, the amount yeah, of money significantly, that's put into it. significantly bigger. Okay, uh, yeah. so it's um, it's not a bad and, idea. And in the past, the, the, yeah, before Australian bond, corporate bond company come, the, you know, the minimum transaction was usually half a million dollars. Um, so this is this has made uh, these type of investments available to um, the retail mum and dad in, in a self-managed superannuation fund investor. And, and also, even if you had half a million dollars and you wanted to put it into corporate bonds, um, before you could only buy one, well, now you can probably buy, you know, 
four or five difference with this this Woolworths, um, mm-hmm. Telstra, um, mm. the and banks. A whole range. Yeah. Okay, so okay. that's another window opening. Well, thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.